Hello, my name is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia. What I'm sharing here, I'm sharing from my heart. I haven't prepared anything or put anything in outline or anything else. I'm just sharing here from my heart. What I will seek to do is speak out of a heart set and a mindset of worship. In Revelations 19.10, it says, Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It is out of worshiping God in spirit and in truth, with great reverence and love for God, that we are filled with his spirit to speak prophetically. In other words, as it says in 1 Peter 4.11, let every man speak as the oracles of God. That's referring to those particularly gathering together around Jesus Christ. We are to seek to speak in such a way that we speak beyond ourselves, and that comes out of a heart set and mindset of worship while we are speaking, so that we are filled in an overflow of his presence and his spirit, which is why I don't often prepare very much for my regular messages. But I want to explain to you what this video is about here. It is a call for the churches, assemblies that are gathering throughout the world, especially here in Canada where I am and in the United States, but throughout the world, to wake up and become who God is calling them to become in this hour, to enter into a new order that God is calling for, for your local assembly to enter into, and also for you as an individual to come into a place where there's total awakening and you do not limit the fullness of Christ's indwelling in your life. So what is this new order that I'm talking about? It is that the fullness of the headship of Christ should fully inhabit your local assembly, that you should not limit the fullness of the headship of Jesus Christ from fully inhabiting your local assembly. I've written a book on this titled God, Headship, and Body Invasion. It's been up there on the internet probably for almost a year and a half to two years is my guess. I haven't mentioned or tried to advertise it or share it very much. Hardly anyone have I told about it. But now is the time to share about that book. Because in that book, which is in print format with a large six by nine paperback, it's about 250 plus pages. I forget exactly how many. And it shares everything that you can do in your local assembly to not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting your local assembly. And also for a strategy for your town, your community, your city. The Word of God says that we are to give the Lord, Yahweh, the Almighty's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, no rest until he causes Jerusalem to go forth as a torch that burns. And that's not just talking about Jerusalem and Israel. That is talking about your town, your city. That is your Jerusalem. 
And so I want to share a little bit about what's in this book and what this vision is about. And rally people around this cause, which is so important. We know we are living in a very urgent time. That is very obvious. We know what's going on. Things are becoming almost surreal. You know, they are surreal. We know that there's that terrible war going on in the Ukraine where people are being driven towards even the danger of nuclear exchange. We are in the most serious time of crisis and impending judgment in the history of this world upon the nations of the earth. And especially, I want to emphasize this to United States, where the epicenter of so many things has begun. But I won't share in detail here because I'm on a YouTube video. But the answer is not a political solution alone. The answer is not. That we are going to get rid of all the corruption that has infiltrated in the last 30 years and come to a head now in all our major institutions and government. The answer is in the church, rising up, awaking out of its sleep to become a conquering, fearless bride church filled with the fullness of God's love that will break the darkness over your city and town and so I want to share this strategy with you. And I will also mention, before I share this strategy, and show you the, this book, God, Headship, and Body Invasion, and another book that I have just published on Amazon, titled, Afterlife, incredible, irrefutable. I want to share with you that I've always had a life of prayer from my youth. When I was 14 years old and possibly even 13, I used to go in the woods, certainly by 14, and pray for an hour and a half. Even when it was pouring rain, I would pray for an hour and a half and come back to the house totally drenched and my parents sometimes, my mother would be up so upset. But I didn't care. I was enjoying talking to God with the rain coming down and the wind blowing through the trees and I wore a path out there and I used to pray seven hours. Lord, because I saw that the church I was going to was not what was in the Bible. What was not in the book of Acts and in the early church. It was a far cry from it, just another denomination. So I prayed, God, bring revival, bring a revolution of your love, bring the restitution of all things. And I had seven hours. I remember praying way back then at a very young age. Here I am, still very youthful for my age. Chronologically, I'm 74 years old, a lot younger biologically, because I know a lot about anti-aging and health and live a healthy lifestyle. And also, above all, it's because of God's grace. But I want to share with you that I got myself, you know, I've had a 
I used to be a bus driver for many years after graduating from Prairie Bible Institute and having some other jobs before that. I was, you know, a bus operator for with the government buses for here in Vancouver and Burnaby and North Vancouver mostly and then Surrey out to Langley, Aldergrove for the last part. But I did that for 20 years, almost 20 years. But <clears throat> I wanted to have resources to fulfill this vision that I want to share with you. And so I got involved with buying domain names, trying to set up a website. I bought quite a few. I was paying a lot of money for over 100 domain names a year, well over 100. It was like getting near to 200 at one point. And I tried setting up stores and then this coronavirus thing hit and all of this stuff happened. And I should add, while I'm talking about the coronavirus, that when the coronavirus hit, I'll get to what I'm getting to in a moment. When the coronavirus first came out, I had the very clear experience of sensing the angel of the Lord come into my bedroom. I mean, I did not see the angel. This was invisible. But I had the very clear, defined sense of the angel of the Lord coming into my room. I couldn't mistake it. And that said certain words to me that were very clear, so much so that you could consider it was an audible voice, but it wasn't. And the angel of the Lord said to me, I am coming into this room to touch you and protect you from, the, basically saying that he was imparting unto me from the Lord protection from COVID. That was one thing the Lord told me. And he has protected me from it. And then the other thing that happened was that the Lord spoke to me around that time as well in a wooing and a loving voice and said, would you double your prayer time? And I was so hungry and desperate for God at that time, I did. I doubled it from an hour and a half to three hours and did that for well over a year and a half. Right now it's down to two hours because I'm trying to accomplish some other things. But I will go back probably to three hours soon once I get certain things accomplished here. But what I want to say is that I got involved with doing these things on the internet, these domain names and all these other things. And over a long period of time, I got myself into debt. And now, because I haven't been able to pay off the credit cards, there's interest accumulating all the time to the point that now, today as I speak, it is at me owing $78,343.55. And because I'm in a housing co-op, there's hardly any equity, right? So I don't know, but... I'm going to try negotiating with the bank, but with the consolidation company, I couldn't, they couldn't find the equity. So I hope I don't have to go bankrupt. But this is hanging over my head. I did get a little help. Now, I want to tell you that in the context of this, I shouldn't be in debt because I should have received an inheritance from my mother, but was fairly divided, of another $93,000, and I never received it. And that's a long story. Basically, 
I was looking after my mother. I moved into a rancher while I had my place here. And I looked after her living there for 21 months, getting up at usually around two or four in the morning, twice a night to take her to the washroom. And often there was a big mess. And it was very difficult on me. And I did get chronic lymphocytic leukemia, but there's a, at the time they didn't have, I had not been taking the drug and I wasn't feeling very good. And then on top of it, I was asking mom for money because I couldn't pay off everything from the credit card debt. And so she would write out a check and she was totally cognizant, knew what she was doing. And the thing is, my name was on that bank account as well as my two brothers and sisters, and I never told them. So they were really angry with me about that. And I had the attitude, oh, well, I won't fight them because I was feeling so convicted that I had been so unwise to get myself in all this debt and that I wasn't an example to them. I was greatly condemned over that. Very repentant. But I let them take away my power of attorney. And then basically what happened was <clears throat> I didn't, I did protest that I should have been paid a lot more, but I did. I should have gone into the bank account and exactly added up what was taken. It turned out to be 44000 And so, you know, I should have basically received, with them penalizing me for what I took, and the little bit they gave me, I should have received another 93000 but they took it to themselves. But I should have told him, listen, here's the facts. Gone to a lawyer at that time, but I didn't want to fight him. I said, well, God will provide for me. I'm putting his kingdom first. Lord, you have to glorify your name. You can't let me not be an example. So I was naive to do that, I suppose. So what I'm sharing with you here is that I don't want this debt hanging over my head. I want to get focused on this vision that I'm about to share you with you, this strategy for conquering our nations with the love of God, with the fullness of the gospel of God's love. And so I'm praying that possibly I can receive help through, um, I have a website at loverealize.com where I have my video messages. I do at least three a week. This week this will include this, so it won't be three that it's actually from the scriptures which I cast by lot to get two chapters that bear witness with each other. It works time and time again. And then I just meditate on them for a half an hour and preach. But what I want to say is that there is a place there where you can contribute, but it's not nonprofit. I do not have a nonprofit organization. But I would appreciate your contribution if you can. And I may put this up at Gifts and Go too, possibly. Um... I am wanting to get free of this debt and focused with others to strategize and be in alignment with God's purpose for these last days. We must prepare for a great ingathering of the harvest. In this time of crisis, as it says in Joel, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. And this is also described in Revelations 14, where you have the description of two harvests. The first harvest is obviously representative of the ingathering of multitudes of souls. And the second harvest is the harvest, which isn't a harvest. It is 
the reaping of judgment upon the earth where the blood comes up to the horse bridles. And there in that same chapter, it shows not only that chrono chronology, it shows three angels, and the first angel is coming forth preaching the everlasting gospel, saying, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come. That is representative of many people that God is raising up, that angel, including myself and many others, that have been raised up to preach on returning to the genuine fear of God. And this is part of what this book is about as well. Although the book doesn't majorly focus on that. I do preach and teach a lot on the genuine fear of God. Which in this video message I could not go into except to say that the genuine fear of God is a deep turning from the heart that is in alignment with the conscience that every human being has that innately knows that for there to be good, what is evil must be judged for good to prevail and points to the ultimate good who is God. And the genuine fear of God rightly recognizes the reality of who God is. First, that his love has such integrity that it always chooses the highest lasting good over any lesser choice. Because any lesser choice as such would obviously have a measure of corruption in it. It's the agape love, superior to the filio, love representing feeling and the soulish love and erosexual. It is the love that always chooses the highest lasting good, freely. And this love is, as it were, a blazing fire of judgment against all that is contrary to this love. It will not condone what is contrary to love. It is totally pure and integrous so that it is not only the opposite of corruption, it is the destroyer of corruption. This is the defensive aspect of the being of God, which is the holiness of God. And the genuine fear of God first is totally reciprocative of this integrity of God's love, this purity of his love, which is the holiness of his love. It recognizes that it is undone and worthy of judgment before the holiness of God. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Unlike Cain, who got his eyes on all the suffering that he was experiencing it, and the suffering around him, which is the consequences of the holiness of God's judgment, instead of focusing on the fact that the holiness of God is good. And so Cain had an idolatrous, monotheistic perception of God as some enigma, maybe some powerful creature in outer space, and then maybe there's other creatures that are just as powerful, and so you have polytheism quickly evolving out of that wrong, idolatrous monotheism. He was unthankful in his heart and had this view of a God that was somehow all-powerful but 
somehow dictatorial and controlling and therefore demanded appeasement. Instead of seeing that the holiness of God is good, that it is the very source of beauty and of life and of love because it ensures the de destruction of corruption so that there can be good without corruption and eternal destiny without corruption. And the holiness of God is first totally received and acknowledged in our guilt and then only out of that can there be the reciprocation of God in his mercy. And when you really see that the holiness of God is good, you see that God is good and therefore it would not create us as beings without purpose for his pleasure and glory that also therein is our ultimate fulfillment and pleasure and glory. And thus, that that would mean he must be providing a destiny and therefore that since there must not be the violation of his love that is integrous, there must be substitutionary sacrifice that could only be found in God who only could be a perfect atoning substitutionary sacrifice. As it says in Micah, even if I gave the fruit of my womb as a sacrifice, it would not suffice for the sins of my soul. And God wants us to fully reciprocate him in such reverence and awe in his mercy out of first fully reciprocating his holiness. And God is calling his people back to reverence and awe. Now I want to get into this book and what's in this book, and what the vision is that God has. And I need people to align with this vision with me, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. If someone else, I don't care how this comes together, I know this. I can't build the church. It doesn't depend on me. None of us can bring forth God's conquering, fearless bride church. It has, except the Lord build the house, they that labor, labor in vain. But that doesn't mean that we sit back and not seek to be in alignment with the pleasure and zeal of God's heart, which is to fulfill John 17. He is calling us to wake up out of our sleep. Awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead. There is a great ingathering of the harvest. So you have this angel in Revelations 14 proclaiming an everlasting gospel. Fear God and give glory to him. And then after that, the next angel says Babylon, Babylon has fallen. The world system of democracy that has become corrupt around the world instead of a virgin. And it's burned by the beast system. And the Antichrist, and then it says, if any man worship the beast. And that's the chronological order of events. Very clearly pointed out there. And this is a time when there are multitudes because the people are waking up that don't know God and they're seeing all this corruption and they're shocked and they're amazed. And they need to find the answer not in some half-baked, dead, lukewarm church, but a church that's filled with love and of life and power and glory. And he wants to wake his people up now. To come out of all the compromise. It's worth it all to pay the price to be fully awake and fully filled with the love and the life of God. And so before I get into this book here, I want to share with you and show you this book here that you can purchase 
and will help support me getting rid of this debt that is hanging over my head. This is the book. I'm going to minimize myself. Godhead, Ship, and Body Invasion. We'll look inside it. It's over 252 pages, I believe, if I remember right. And, um, you know, it's got an extensive uh, table of contents here, you can see, and so on. I'm not going to go in to show you everything about that. I mean, it's there to purchase for Kindle format, $4.99 US, $9.95 paperback. And it's an outline format, and... Of course, all the colors don't show up properly on here. Uh, it's actually green print, but, you know, it's an outline format like that. And sometimes you get really small print, too, yeah. And um, it's a 6 by 9 paperback, around 250-odd some old pages. This shows you everything you can do in your assembly to not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting your local assembly. And I'm going to get into the specifics of things you can do to change your church so that it never goes back to being the way it was. Now, I do have another book, which I've recently published uh, back this December um, of 2022 on the afterlife titled Afterlife, Incredible, Irrefutable. And again, the print's not going to show up properly on here. That's white print. What it'll show up, maybe it'll show up. I don't know. The chroma key background. <laughs> you know, so this book is 368 pages from the first page to the last. In print, and it's a large 6 by 9 paperback. And I've read the bestsellers, the bestseller on the afterlife in this book. When I read it myself on Kindle, I find it has way more answers and even is more interesting than the bestseller. So you can check that out for yourself. It's a really good book and it takes a while because I don't have money to advertise a lot, so it's just gradually trickling in here. They say it takes between 30 and 90 days to get Amazon advertising going, but all of this would help me. So I'm just pointing out these two books briefly. I want to go back to bring myself up to normal size. So in your church service, what is God wanting? But before I go into what God is wanting in your local assembly, I want to point out that in this book there is a strategy for conquering your town. Your Jerusalem, remember that verse I mentioned. Give him no rest until he makes Jerusalem go forth as a torch that burns. Yes, there is that going to happen in Israel, but it needs to happen in your towns and cities across your nation, United States, your nation, Canada, your nation, wherever you are in the world. And it's not going to happen if you just continue to have church the way you've been having church and you're not awake God is calling his house to be a house of prayer and a house of holiness and when you have your church service 
why would you have just an hour and a half church service at 10 in the morning and then maybe another one in the evening? Why would you have your pre-service prayer meetings when hardly anyone comes to them? God is calling his people to make their main gatherings start as prayer on your faces before God in all of whose presence you're in until you become more conscious of Christ in your midst, of Jesus Christ in your midst, of Yahweh the Almighty's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in your midst. Yeah, but we can't do that with an hour and a half church service. No, you can't. But why don't you have your church service starting? <clears throat> Good suggestion, around two in the afternoon. Then you can go for four hours and really break through as a body of believers into the presence of God. You want to return to a place where you're so in awe of God. Do you know that psychologists say, those that study the brain say, that half of the brain was created for awe, to comprehend in awe. And that is what is involved in the genuine fear of God. True worship, that angel says, fear God and worship him who made heaven and earth. God is calling us to worship him and love him as never before. Out of the awe of God, where we are in awe, as the word of God says, be still and know that I am God. There's a time to be still and to be waiting on God. There's a time to pray. And in your pre-service prayer meetings, as you're praying quietly, individually for maybe 10 or 20 minutes, and then one feels the prompting of the Spirit to pray out. Everyone says amen and agrees with him. Another one prays out. Another one prays out. And that goes on for a while. And you're conscious of Christ in your midst more than you are of some program that's going to happen at the front or all the joyful songs that you like to think, sing when you start your church service when there's people living like the Corinthian church that are committing incest or what in your midst and you're not mourning or sensitized to the Spirit of God but you've become puffed up. Paul said you should be mourning and here you are, you're not even mourning over what's happening in your midst. God is calling his people to love him out of the genuine fear of God. When you really love someone, you don't treat them common. They're precious to you. They are so precious. And you are so sensitized to them. And then out of this prayer springs what? Songs of worship, of praise. And out of those songs, people can you know, sense the spirit rising in them and they feel like they're supposed to sing a song but they don't know what the words are but they got a seed thought. Sing it forth. Don't quench the spirit. It'll come out as a beautiful song, even maybe poetically as it has sometimes with me. Or it might be a prayer which also is meant to communicate horizontally to the people at the same time as it's being prayed unto God. Or it might be a prophetic word which might be the same thing almost. I'm not saying prophetic in the sense of the future. Or it might be a word of encouragement or a testimony or an exhortation. But each one is to share freely in the body of Christ. It says in 1 Peter 4.11, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. 
That is what we are to be doing. That should be normal in the church. We don't even seek to hear what God is wanting to speak through us. When I do my sermons, which I are on video at loverealize.com, I don't prepare hardly. All I do is I cast lots with great reverence before God and separate those applications afresh each day, applying the blood of Christ to them. And then I get two chapters and they bear witness with each other as to the theme. Then I meditate on those two chapters for a half an hour and then immediately speak without preparation because I want to allow God to speak through me by the Spirit, not have a bunch of notes and things in my mind that get in the way of the Spirit of God speaking prophetically. It is out of worship that we speak prophetically. As it says in Revelations 19.10, worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The pastors should be speaking out of a heart set and a mindset of worship so they speak prophetically. Each member of the body should be totally free. They shouldn't have to be asking for permission to use the mic if the spirit moves on them. But we're so used to being passive and being entertained that we're t intimidated about what people would think of us if we spoke out or whatever. We got to get over our pride, over our fear of rejection, and get so caught up in loving God that those things don't matter. Man, if your congregation is so passive, what you need to do is have little meetings where everyone can have the freedom to give a little sermonette or a five-minute message or testimony to get them out of that so the body is alive and functioning. God is also calling his people to repent of loves of the world. He's calling his house to be a house that is holy, that is pure. It is holiness that brings wholeness in your inner being. Holiness is a beautiful, wonderful thing. It's not some heavy thing. Holiness is really the purity of God's love that will not tolerate corruption, what is contrary to love. Holiness is the source of beauty that says to worship God in the beauty that comes out of holiness in the beauty of holiness, which is the integrity, the purity of God's love. Oh, God wants us to know and love the purity of his love, of holiness. Yes, holiness means that we die to the flesh and the fleshly grasping desires of this world. It says of Israel that they have hewn out for themselves cisterns which can hold no water. We can repent and become those that do not have cracks in our soul that are grasping, self-destructive, corrupting states of being that we get overtaken by, that cause damage, that can cause permanent cracks in our soul. But God can even heal those cracks and fill them with the gold of his presence make something creative out of those things if we will repent so that we are filled with the life of the Spirit of God flowing through us. The holiness of God 
causes our inner being to experience a wholeness that allows the fullness of the life of the Spirit of God to overflow in us with love for one another. The hardness of heart is due to the loves of the world. And so God is calling his people to repent of the gods of amusement. I'm not saying it's wrong to watch sports or that God's going to condemn you for watching something that makes you relax for a few moments. But when you spend hours of your time and your emotions and so many get drawn just like to uh, an alcoholic can be get drawn into drunkenness, you get drunk with the world, with the loves of watching these things that are the pride of life. And you spend all your time on that. The Word of God says, we're to redeem the time because the days are evil. And I have heard pastors many times in the midst of a church service start talking about the hockey game or something else and making things. We are in the presence of God. Do not stumble God's people by making them think it's okay to be involved with all of those things. Is it okay for, for you to speak to alcoholics, like it's okay to drink wine when they can stumble and fall? God is calling us to be those that are lavish lovers of Jesus Christ that get caught up in a love relationship with him. You know, when you really are filled with the Spirit and you know a deep, intimate relationship with God, those things feel so shallow that you don't want anything to do with them because they don't appeal to you at all. You have such a deep, subjective, abiding experience of his presence. Doesn't mean you're always going by that feeling either. There is times when you're just going to have to walk by faith. But you learn to persevere and you enter into a greater and greater anointing. And God entrusts you more and more with a more continuous feeling of his presence. If you continue in his word, you'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free from these manipulative baits of the enemy that can manipulate your life into things that don't count for eternity and robs you. And also cause you to be cast forth as a branch that is withered if you continue and go in those directions. So God is calling his people to repent of the gods of amusement, of pleasure, of idleness, of materialism, so that your hearts are not hard because it's that that causes a denominative mindset where we don't receive one another as Christ has received us. Christ, the word of God says we're to receive one another as Christ received us. And he received us as sinners. And just because another brother and sister has some doctrine that's off, the main thing is do they believe that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh that conquered death and corruption and sin? in his physical body through resisting temptation and pouring out his body broken and his blood outpoured on the cross. God is calling his people to know a relationship with him Whereas we receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so we're walking in him. We're walking with a heart that is continually entering into being broken from hardness 
that is a circumcised heart that results in a circumspect walk. He is pleading with his people to come and drink freely of the water of life. But if you are having your spiritual thirst quenched with the loves of the world, you will not drink. But he says, whoever is thirsty, a secret to overcoming is to have that thirst that isn't quenched by the loves of the world, by the pride of life, by those things that are highly esteemed among men which are an abomination in the sight of God. So I want to share with you the strategy in this book is the churches come together in each city to fast and pray for three days. Right now it's around the time of Purim. I don't know if it's past. I didn't get the date on it or whatever. But that is when Esther went on a fast without any liquid or food for three days. And if you are in good health and can do it, do it. But come together, all the churches in your town and city, and fast and pray. Isn't it worth giving it your all? so that there's major breakthrough and blessing of God in your life as an individual and corporately as a body, and multitudes come into the kingdom of God in your town, and you conquer your nation with the gospel? It's not a political answer. It's going to conquer all the corruption in this nation. It's turning back to Yahweh the Almighty's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He's calling his people to strategize and to come together as a nation and to fast and pray for three days and cry out desperately to God. And don't organize yourself out of really praying. You're coming there to pray, not to have someone try to control everything and have a bunch of singing and not do hardly any praying. This is a time to come and humble ourselves and seek God and cry with all our heart. And rend our heart and not our garments. On behalf of the nation, the multitudes may be brought into the kingdom of God. And also that the land may be saved from impending judgment or less, or that the judgment would be greatly minimized if it's too late. God is calling you as an individual to wake up. He spoke to me and said, Will you double your prayer line, prayer time? And like it says in the word of God, King David said, The Lord said to, unto me, Seek ye my face. And I said, Thy face will I seek, O Yahweh. And he said that to me, and I doubled my prayer time. And you know what happened? After that, I was going to save on foods. I parked my car, and I noticed the other lady parked on the other side that lives in the apartments where I am here. And we end up walking together into Savon. I don't know her that well, but I know she's a Christian. And she just piped up and said to me, the Lord spoke to me to double my prayer time. And I said, that's what he just told me. This is a time as never before to enter your destiny, which is to enter into life that is far more abundant than anything you can imagine, even in this world that you can experience of relationship with your God a love relationship where you learn to have a life of prayer and to put the kingdom of God first. So it would be great if you could support me by getting this book. And if you go to my website at loverealize.com, if you decide that God's speaking to you to help me out to get out of this debt, that would sure be wonderful.
I'm going to try my best to be responsible to get this all taken care of. But I don't know what's going to happen. I'm trusting God. I'm not worried. I'm not panicking. But I am asking for help. I have domain names that I would like to sell. And so if you can purchase domain names, that could get me out of debt. I have some very valuable domain names. I could, again, show you that on here and minimize myself. Forgot to show that. I'll try to bring that up and then I'll minimize myself, okay? Here it is. This is my site. These are some of my domain names. Here they are. This is... Um, some of them are really valuable. I've lost some already, like this one that was pretty valuable, buys on TV. Too bad. But some of them I've already see gone, 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 because I can't afford to keep paying for these when I have no money. Gone, gone, gone. Some really valuable ones. This I should we, this one was worth two thousand. I should have never let it go. Darn it. That's minimum. This is the estimation of the GoDaddy estimator, which gives a minimum of what they're worth. Many of these are worth a lot more than that, and I've let some of the most valuable ones here go already. And I feel bad I'm losing all this. You know, it's really bad, so. But there's still a few really valuable ones here and there. This one here, 2,567. So, some of these could be worth way more than that, but that's the minimum price. That would really help, too. That adds up to around that much there. Used to add up to over 75,000. So that's that. So I thank you for listening to this message. I want to give you my phone number. I have a phone number, which is a business ring number. You won't find it in the white pages if you're trying to trace down my address because I don't want to take that chance on the internet. So I want to um, give you the phone number, which is 604-539-1421. That is my business phone number. 95% of what I get on my phone is spam, so I don't answer it, but I have the, it on so that I can hear someone if they're leaving a message. So if I hear you, I'll respond. Uh, if, I, if I can tell it's not someone trying to spam me. And leave a message, and I'll get back to you. And uh, I want to get together with people like our and mine that want to see this happen in their nation. I'm here in Canada. I want to see it happen in the States and around the world. And I'm praying that someone will, there will be a Cyrus that will help me out so I will be free of this 78,000 some odd dollars of debt. And I will say one of the reasons I got into that was because I refused to give up my prayer time. If I would have just spent all my time making money on the internet, I would have been very wealthy by now. But I didn't want to do that. I have sacrificed all my life where I could have made lots of money and didn't because I decided it was more important to have a prayer life of spending time and quality time in prayer and quality time in the Word of God. Including writing these books, which you can now purchase on Amazon. I do have a third little book called Evolution Delusion Solution, which you can purchase if you want. But also I want to point out that I have a website at ultimatemeaning.com. Ultimatemeaning.com. 
which is an evangelistic site. But my site at loverealize.com, there I have a wonderful worship song playlist that you can use on overhead projector if you can connect to YouTube on your overhead projector. You won't get better songs that I, than I have there in that playlist. They all have the words up there so you can play and use it as a church. So God bless you all and thank you for your prayers and support. Thank <laughs> you.